This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. The Football Co. Business Podcast. The most creative minds and innovative thinkers in football. Welcome to the Football Co. Business Podcast. On today's show, we have Melissa Reddy, Senior Reporter for Sky Sports. As we approach the end of the January transfer window, I've been talking to Mel about what the window is like for reporters, how she gets her scoops, the difficulty in separating facts from fiction, and how Sky Sports has made transfer deadline day an important part of the football calendar. Plus, with Mel's connections at Liverpool, having literally written a book on Jurgen Klopp, we will also be discussing the news that he's leaving Liverpool at the end of the season and what it's been like to report on him for all these years. Mel, great to have you on. Um, I should reference, obviously, before we get going, that obviously we've worked together before. You used to be um, Gold's Liverpool correspondent before you um, arrived at Sky. One obviously quite big difference then when you were with uh, working on Gold for Liverpool and now Sky Sports kind of across football. Obviously, your focus then was just on Liverpool. I presume that this makes the transfer window even more of a busy period for you than ever. Is that right? It definitely is. When you just have one club, that's your sole focus you are so clued in about the ins and outs or what that particular club needs, what they're looking for, what their general profile is. And that's already enough work when you're trying to deal with the transfers of one team. But then when you widen that scope, not just to the Premier League, you have to kind of know what the big clubs in Europe are after, but also what leagues are the hotspots for Premier League shopping. So we've gone through different variants of that. You had the French League, which was the main supplier of talent. It moved primarily to the Portuguese League. And then you also have a situation now where transfer windows are not the same. So it's not just the club specific elements of it. It's how the business is changing itself. So you had the stratospheric uh, fees post Neymar, Coutinho, uh, Dembele, that that window that really we thought mm, there's no turning back now. We're just going to be talking about silly money and clubs are going to have to break their backs to get any sort of elite player in. And then we look at this current window and January is generally a quieter one, but it's never been as dry and laborious as it is currently and that is because you have two international tournaments on the go at the moment but moreover you've got the profit and sustainability rules which are severely hampering what clubs can do because they're all needing to think so much about trimming their fringe before they can add so yeah incredibly busy period because you're dealing with like I said all the clubs in the Premier League, all the major players in Europe, but then also the changing landscape of the window itself. And every single window seems to have a different kind of edge to it that you've got to figure out and work around. So obviously you're working now with Sky Sports and this is 
the the concept. So there's always been a, a January transfer window, but the the kind of the concept of transfer deadline day, and we're recording this now on uh, Jan 30th, so just before you know, we've, about 48 hours before it all closes. What's it like? kind of reporting on this with so much going on. And as you mentioned there, not just across the Premier League, but across all divisions, across Europe and across the world. There must it must be, I mean, I'm gonna say manic. Yeah, it's chaos and you have to try and be the calm in the chaos, which is a very difficult thing, especially if you're trying to keep track of multiple deals and you're speaking to various stakeholders involved. So my thing and, and you will know from having worked with me at Goal, is I will never go with just one source on any story, any piece of information, no matter how good that source is, because they're various players. So that source, if it's a club source, might just be reflecting that club's position. You also have to get the other club's version of what they think is happening. You have to get the agent or player side of things. And when you're trying to do that for all the transfers that you're tasked with covering, uh, it's it's quite taxing. And then you also have the stuff that happens around the deal. So not just the facts of it, but the analysis. And that's what I enjoy more than the facts. Like, what does this mean? Okay, so player X has signed for club A, but what does it actually mean? How do they fit in? Uh, what conclusions can you draw from it? What effect does it have on other players in the squad? What does it signal about long-term planning? These kind of things. And often transfers can also give you a sense of how healthy a club is structurally. Are they following the right processes? Are they sustainable? Are they making informed decisions using you know, data and things like that? So that's the intrigue around the transfer window. And in, like I said, in the chaos of trying to get all the news, for me, who also has to provide the analysis, um, it's even it's even more daunting. And I, the question often comes with how does covering like transfer deadline day differ to covering like match days in the Premier League? And when you work a game or when, say you're in the gallery and your shift is covering a mass of games, obviously you've got to, you know, tell between reporters and stuff like you do during deadline day. But there's guarantees in football. There's there's frameworks, you know. You know how long a match is going to be, give or take injury time. You know what happens when a goal is scored. Or With transfers, nothing is ever certain or guaranteed or there's so many unknowns and unpredictables. You can't legislate for Ryan Babel getting on a, on a helicopter only to turn around and Peter Odd and Wingy turning up at the training ground and a player doing you know, his medical and his unveiling video and his first interview only to not sign for, you know, what are competing reasons when you listen to each party. So there's... Yeah. It's chaos, yeah. It's, it's a really... It, it yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you mentioned there about kind of getting one side from the club, one side from another club. But obviously there's a lot of interested parties involved with transfer. You might have somebody's, somebody's brother, somebody's agent. Other people have got a vested interest in certain things happening. How do you determine between kind of what are people trying to lead you down a certain path and what is actually this is more likely to happen than not? Yeah, I think when you do the job for a very, very long time, you understand, like you said, the competing interests, whose interests are where, and you tend to spend a lot of time building relationships with people. 
and you get an understanding of when they're telling the truth, when they're not, when they're saying this because it's very, very, very beneficial to them, when they're trying to play another club off against this one because they really want this one to meet their personal terms. Because transfers has become such a, a thing on its own, it's oftentimes I feel for a lot of people, it's even bigger than the football itself, the, the game, the 90 minutes. Not for me, by the way, never. <laughs> um, but because it's become such an industry on its own, you do get people who just put out anything, put out any bit of information they get without the need or the want to verify, to check, to, to think, why am I being told this version? Like, what does this mean? And flag it against other things that you've covered in terms of how that club works or how that agent works. I think every journalist who's done the job for a long time and who has an element of reporting on transfers will tell you there are people that if they tell you a piece of information, you know, yeah, that's that's a banker. That's solid because you've got the history of them giving you pieces of information that's never wrong. They're always honest and they don't tell you what you want to hear because that's another element of transfers. I think especially agents, they know that there is such a interest and intrigue and, you know, people on social media want to hear that Manchester United are definitely signing this superstar. And so they will tell you that, yeah, United are, are keeping tabs on him or whatever because that sings for them, whereas it's not rooted in reality. So it does take a while to figure out. And, and I would like the industry to get back to the point where we only report on stuff when there's you know, concrete evidence of it happening. I, I find another, um, what's happened in the last few years is it's become news to report what's not happening, which is not news. Like Club X is not interested in him. Well, why are we saying that? It's not, unless it's like, you know, heavily reported in a place and the club need to say, well, we have no clue where this is coming from. And a good example of this would be, you know, Spanish papers running that Mikel Arteta wants to quit Arsenal at the end of the season and become Barcelona coach. Complete fantasy, fiction. And, you know, Arteta and Arsenal have to come out very strongly and deny that because that's a story that has massive repercussions um so i think yeah just uh, the transfer window is only going to get bigger i think as time progresses because it has that sort of x factor that appeals to the younger generation you know the tiktokers and and stuff like that well, it's social um, it's, it's it's being first sometimes rather than being right and having to kind of balance yeah yeah and um, i mean you, yeah. me you mentioned the arteta rumors there obviously it, the biggest story, I guess, during this window hasn't been necessarily players, but it's been managers, um, specifically Jurgen Klopp and um, his news about leaving Liverpool. There are there are probably few journalists who have spent as much time with Klopp as you have. I mean, you literally wrote the book on Klopp, believe us. Before we before we finish this, and um, you obviously have to crack on with the rest of the transfer window, what's it been like reporting on Klopp and working with him over, I mean, how many years was it that you first, he arrived in the UK? So it's actually quite uh, poetic because I started my first permanent job in the UK having moved over in the week where Liverpool had sacked Brendan Rodgers and we knew there were two candidates Carlo Ancelotti 
and Jurgen Klopp. And my first work for goal was writing that it would be Jurgen Klopp as a new manager. And I was there for the introductory press conference and every single big, small, in-between thing from that point on, I was involved in. So talking about October 2015, and it's weird how a piece of news can completely surprise you, but at the same time, because you know a person so well and you understand their intentions and what they've always maintained from the start. So Klopp had always said he doesn't want to be an old manager. He doesn't want to spend, you know, his 60s and 70s still rooted to the touchline, to the dugout. And he always as well said that when he leaves, he wants to leave the place better than when he joined. On last season, there was a lot of concern that he was looking completely out of energy, that he it, it had exacted so much out of him. And I, I knew he wouldn't leave because he couldn't say goodbye to Liverpool in the state that it was in. And so it made so much sense when he's decided to do it at the end of this season where there's so much promise and positivity and the club are in a in a healthy situation um and the thing about Klopp when the news broke and there was such a mass focus on it you obviously get opposition fans not understanding you know managers leave all the time why is this so important why does this feel so titanic and it is because it's not just about the success or or what he did, you know, on a match day. It's how he completely changed the place. When I first started covering Liverpool in those, you know, dying embers of the Jurgen Klopp reign, there was so much misery and toxicity. It, it wasn't exciting to go to Anfield. It was the negativity just hung so thick in the air. And he came in and he started the club on a completely different path where the bond between the supporters and the squad was re-energized you realize that you were on a journey so even though there were setbacks and there were so many setbacks at the start league cup final defeat europa league uh, final defeat champions league final defeat 97 points and not winning the title like so many knocks but you need the knocks you need the big losses to have the big wins because it teaches you so much. So, you mentioned there about the big wins and yeah. that's on the pitch. When, when he came in, he did his first press conference. He famously said he's the normal one in kind of response to Mourinho being a special one. Do you feel as a manager and kind of, has he changed manager's relationship with the press? There's a lot of kind of clock that we see in um, Postacoglu at Spurs. Do you think he kind of started that and kind of being that kind of more personable manager that maybe we'd, we'd missed for a while and kind of we got used to some of the arrogance elsewhere? Um, no, I, I don't think, well, from his side anyway, there wasn't any incentive or intention to be that way. I think with Klopp, what you get is what you see. If he's angry, you'll know it. If he doesn't like a question, you'll know it. If he's thinks something is funny, you'll know it. And he's never been a different person in front of the cameras than away from it. He's very emotional and passionate and in tune with the club and everything around it. He gets very defensive. So I think at times we've maybe seen the worst of him in front of the camera, but that doesn't detract that we've also seen the best of him. And 
I think when we talk about legacies, it's not just about how we changed and transformed Liverpool. I think on a lot of huge issues that we've undergone in the years that he's been Liverpool manager, you think about Brexit, you think about race, high-profile racism cases, talk about xenophobia, about you know the immigrants and how, how that's being dealt with in the UK on a lot of huge social issues. He's spoken so well, used his platform to try and educate. Um, and that's just a natural leader whose heart is in the right place. And all these things that we're talking about now, when I you know speak about emotions and passion and being socially conscious, football in itself and management is already such a, a tireless job. It takes so much out of you. But when you've got those elements to you as well and that's how you are as a person it just enhances it so much more it just makes everything feel so much heavier because you are carrying not just the job and the responsibilities of it but I think you really feel like you're carrying a people a city a club a a global fan base a um, representation of setting things right or like I said educating on matters maybe people should know more about so yeah, he's a credit to himself, to his family, and and to Liverpool. Yeah, it, it definitely seems like he's um, he's meant more to Liverpool, both the city and the club, than just kind of what's happened on the pitch. Um, Mel, I know, I know, I know, you've got a lot to be getting on with. So thanks for your time, and yeah, enjoy the rest of the window and um, whatever comes next. It's been a pleasure. Lovely to see you again. If you like that, then have a look through the Football Co Business Podcast archives, where you find a lot more. In the meantime, please feel free to leave a review or a comment. And we'll see you next time. The Football Co. Business Podcast. The most creative minds and innovative thinkers in football.